Welcome to SciSection. My name is Raj, and I'm a journalist for the SciSection radio show broadcasted on platform CFMU 92.3 FM. We are here today with Dr. Michael Glogauer. Thank you for taking your time and meeting with us, and welcome onto our show. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, to begin off, can you uh, tell a bit to the listeners about your field of research and of medicine and what exactly is it that you specialize in? Sure. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a dentist who, whose specialty is something called periodontology or periodontal surgery, which involves the treatment of gum disease and placing dental implants and bone grafting. Uh, I'm also a full-time professor at the Faculty of Dentistry at the University of Toronto, uh, I'm the head of dentistry at the University Health, Health Network and the head of dentistry at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. And uh, so my research focuses in on the impacts of oral health and cancer at that interface, and also trying to understand how um, oral infections can impact systemic health. Wow, that's very impressive. And so what exactly inspired you to also like conduct research instead of just being like a purely uh, practice focused dentist? Um, so I, I was very attracted to uh, science and research from my initial time during uh, undergrad. I did two years of undergrad and was a summer student uh, throughout that period of time. And uh, so the first time I spent time in a lab, I was completely hooked onto science. I just thought, it was amazing that you could go into an environment, ask questions that, and really get be the first person to ever know the answers to those questions. So I, I sort of I found that sort of very exciting, and so I was hooked on science right from the beginning. And uh, some advice was given to me by one of my early research mentors that if I was very serious about research and a research career, that I should become a clinician as well, uh, and that because that helps focus the questions and makes it a little bit easier to uh, get funding as well as, as a dental clinician. So um, I chose dentistry for a number of reasons and I haven't really looked back. I've, I have, have never regretted the choice for a moment. Um, research and clinical research, being a dental clinician scientist has been one of the best decisions I ever made. Definitely, no, I can see coming from a science background that that is actually really fun. And uh, so there's a recent paper that just came out that the mechanism behind how periodontal disease relates to other inflammatory conditions has just been found, and uh, it was with you and your team. And can you just briefly explain the process of what your team went through to find the answer to this? Absolutely. So, um, so it, it's recognized now that there's an association between oral infections and periodontal disease, or gum disease in particular, and a number of other inflammatory diseases, including cancer and heart disease, diabetes, and the list goes on. And so uh, one of the questions I and many of my colleagues in the research world have wondered is, how is it that a gum infection could have these potential effects on these other distant clinical inflammatory diseases? And so we set out to sort of answer that question. And we, the, interest, the great thing about this paper is, is that it uses both a mouse model, uh, gets, at the, at, at, gets at the mechanism, and then we are able to also do this in humans to get a sense of what we see in the mouse, is it also true in the humans? And so in the mice, we induce periodontal disease, and we use something called a double hit model, whereby we either have mice that don't have periodontal disease or the mice that do have periodontal disease, which we induce. And then what we do is we 
induce an acute inflammatory, uh, an acute infection within the peritoneum or peritonitis. And then we study how that peritonitis resolves. Um, how, how does the immune system react to that infection, that, that acute infection? What we found is, is that in the mice with periodontal disease, the periodontal disease appears to prime or pre-activate the white blood cells in circulation so that they give an over-exuberant or too, uh, too much of a response to that, to that uh, peritonitis. And so that suggests that um, having this chronic disease, this chronic inflammatory disease like periodontitis in the mouse may prime the white blood cells so that when they do have a second hit, as it were, with, and that could be somebody who has uh, cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, it could be somebody who's a diabetic, it could be somebody who has cancer, where the immune system will play a role in that disease. If the periodontal disease primes that uh, in immune system, it could create problems for that person in their other disease, uh, their other disease process that, that's taking place. So the question is, that's what we saw in the mouse. And we saw in the mouse that a lot of cytokines are being produced in circulation due to the periodontal disease. And these cytokines are undoubtedly the mechanism. And we'll come back in a few minutes and talk about how this may impact COVID, where cytokines are a big factor. But now if we go into the humans, how could we do this in a human? ethically anyway. So we have this model in my lab called experimental gingivitis. And that's where we take healthy young people and we have them not brush for three weeks. We actually pay them not to brush their teeth. And then they come in every week and we take blood and we look at their mouths and we collect, we collect samples from the mouth. We collect their blood, as I mentioned. And we have this assay or this test that we do is, is that when we take, we take an aliquot of their blood and we add an activator of the white blood cells, and what we found is the advantage of this is that we can take one person, we can look at them when they're healthy, because we get their blood when they're healthy, and then we can take their blood as they're developing gingivitis, which is a periodontal disease, inflammation in the gums. And we take, and so we're getting blood from them all throughout, and then they start brushing teeth, their teeth again, we clean them up, and then they get healthy again. And so all the way along there, we can be testing their blood. And what we found is, is that as they give, develop gingivitis, their white blood cells actually become hyperactivated to that secondary, uh, that secondary stress that we add directly to the blood. And so that's very exciting because that shows exactly what we saw in the mouse also happens in humans with gingivitis in that their white blood cells become, uh, have the potential, it's called priming, or they have the potential to become hyperactivated when they get a second hit. And so this is all very exciting because what it suggests is that even a gum disease as early or as mild as gingivitis has the potential to activate white blood cells. And what does that mean for patients? And what does it mean for dentists and hygienists? It means that we need to do everything we can to make sure that the mouth stays healthy and that even a little gingivitis in the wrong person who has potential risks factors for other diseases could be, could be quite problematic. So that was sort of the excitement. And now if we bring it back to COVID, um, you know, there's this subset of patients with COVID who, um, who ha have, a, have, a, have a turn for the worse. They seem, there's something that seems to differentiate a very small percentage of the population where they get COVID and end up in hospital and have other problems. And the question is, what is it about those patients? And oftentimes what you'll hear, they'll say, oh, that person was completely healthy. Well, I think that that may be true, but obviously there's something else going on. And, you know, uh, with all uh, due respect to everybody who says, well, that person was completely healthy, I'm almost uh, positive no one ever looked in their mouth. No one ever sees, did that person potentially mm -hmm. have 
potential to develop gum disease. It's the last place anybody except a dentist and a hygienist looks to see if there's actually a disease process. And so what's starting to come out now is that some of these people actually have pretty severe gum disease. And so uh, again, if we match that with what we've just found that patients with gum disease have higher levels of certain cytokines, we know that, and their white blood cells are primed, and we know that when things go bad in COVID patients, there's more cytokines. There's a, something called a cytokine storm. We know that these cells called neutrophils, these white blood cells are hyperactivated and cause a problem. We, there's the potential there that gum disease, at least in a small subset of these patients, may be playing a role. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. And uh, so... Uh, throughout this whole testing and going through from mice to humans and what were the complications or challenges that you faced along the way? Right. So I, I think, you know, we've been working on this for quite a number of years. We have a number of papers in this field, but one of the things that we wanted to do is, is while um, mice are an excellent model, the real challenge was trying to show this trying to develop a human system that we could get by ethics. And one, obviously you can't induce periodontal irreversible, but the severe forms of periodontal disease are actually irreversible. So there's no way ethically you can do that. And trying to find patients who had periodontal disease and then treat them is too long a process. So um, the, the, the experimental gingivitis, which is an expensive, it's an expensive model because obviously we have to pay people. We need to, they need to come in every week. Um, I, I will say that we are grateful that we were able to do this, uh, these, this study before COVID came along because, as I'm sure you're aware, the, the laboratories at the universities were shut down for a period of time mm -hmm. and getting patients to come in now, getting volunteers to come now is very challenging because the universities are being quite strict about what can be done during this period because they don't want to put people at risk. So um, I would say the challenges could have been greater if this had been done during COVID, but fortunately we were able to finish this off early. And, uh, you know, I think we were, the, the, the surprising thing is I really thought in the beginning that it would take something like the severe forms of periodontal disease and periodontitis to see the effect in circulation. Um, it was somewhat of a shock to see that even the milder forms of gingivitis could induce this effect, which is, which is, quite, uh, is quite disturbing, but also interesting from a research standpoint. Okay, and uh, so you said that uh, the people that came in, they wouldn't uh, brush for three weeks. So prior to them being tested, were they like relatively healthy uh, people? Right, so that's a, that's a great point. So the model, sometimes we do two weeks, sometimes we do three weeks, but I, the, the, there's very strict criteria that we have to go through the ethics review boards and the patients have to be, uh, they have to be perfectly healthy. So usually most of our uh, subjects were in the 20 to 30 year, 20, 30 year old uh, range. Most of them were students at the university. Um, you know, we give about, I think it was 900 or $1,000 to these people for the period. So usually it's somebody who has free time, say between courses is needs, you know, 800, $900,000. Um, they get their teeth cleaned before they get their teeth cleaned after. So uh, if you've got the time, it's, it's a good model. Um, but again, yes, everybody was healthy before. Sometimes uh, they actually get cleaned before they, they get a dental cleaning because we want to make sure everybody starts at the same place. So not everybody had perfect, you know, some people had a little bit of gingivitis. We clean them up, get them perfectly healthy, and then they start in the study. And during the period of like the study, was there any 
at any point where one subject had to stop being tested on because they developed something severe afterwards for not brushing for a long time? Great question. Um, so that's the beauty of this model. The, the answer to that is no. Um, we always have one or two dropouts who, for whatever reason, they find out, you know, uh, it may, it's sometimes the thought of not brushing for three weeks. You can think about it, but when you're actually in the middle of it, it's for some people. So we had, I think we had one or two people out of the, I think 20 or 30, I can't remember how many people were in it, but uh, who, who, who end up dropping out. And we always, we always account for that. But uh, for the most part, you know, everyone seems to do okay. Okay, that's great. And uh, so you said that you were happy that you started this before COVID hit because the labs were like, they got shut down for a while. And now is everything like other lab testing or anything else you're doing, are they back to like normal speed or is it still like a slow trend towards um, normal like uh, research? Right. I mean, m most of the projects are up and going at my lab fairly well. The ethics review boards that we have to go through, there's a lot of extra questionnaires that we have to give to subjects. There's a lot of extra um, precautions in place. So it makes it a little bit more labor intensive. But at this point, for the most part, everything is up and going. Uh, and we hope it stays that way based in the next few months. Yeah, for sure. And uh, has COVID affected pro like productivity anyway, because everything is shifted online? And but lab testing is obviously still in person. But in terms of other ways that you have to like, uh, when you have to look at the data and then share with other people, and like the amount of people that can work in a lab. Um, so has product be, like productivity been affected? And like, how have you like, uh, gotten around that? Right. I mean, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I can tell you at the, um, at the university, uh, there's certainly more hoops, there's more paperwork, uh, there are more restrictions. Uh, that and the fact that mo a lot of my staff works, uh, some of them work from a distance. We're not around. Science is very collaborative, and you get ideas walking around, talking to people in that setting. And when we walk in the lab, it's fairly empty now because people are only there exactly for their experiments and then have to leave. So, the the, the collaborative approach, people walking, talking, sharing ideas, that certainly has been curtailed significantly. And I think, you know, that. You know, I think we are going to pay, we are paying a small price for that in terms of uh, moving some projects forward. Uh, but I, I hope we're going to sort of be able to figure it out. I think, you know, uh, I can, you know, as an aside, as a university professor and having to do meetings and uh, theses, defenses, being able to do things by Zoom actually saves me time, not having to go, go into rooms. Uh, not having to uh, tr travel time has sort of changed. So I just, you know, for the most part, get to sit at my office in the hospital and do things at the university where I would physically have to move. So, you know, I think there's, there's, there's some upsides and I think hopefully some of these things I think we'll get to keep. I, I envisage that meetings at universities, that uh, administrative uh, tasks, those sorts of things, even some of the teaching that I'm doing is now online. So I think some of these things I hope are here to stay because they certainly do help us save time. Okay. And yeah, definitely then. Um, so hopefully now research is up and going and you're saving time. So hopefully you get to be as productive as you possibly can. And I wish you the best of luck with further research. And Great, uh, it was uh, a pleasure to have you on the show, Dr. Glogauer. Uh, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And so, all right, guys, that's it for this week of Sci Section. Make sure to check out our podcast available on global platforms for our latest interviews.